Welcome back to Never Settle. Today I have a fellow performer, Samantha Bell. We are discussing imposter syndrome. Is it real? Hmm. Now, a fun fact, Sam and I are both performers in front of the camera and behind the camera. So I think we know a little too much about imposter syndrome. Before we get into today's episode, I want to first give a thank you and shout out to Zencaster, our sponsor of today's show. Zencaster is the chosen platform that I'm hosting this podcast on, which has made it easy for me to host this podcast from anywhere in the world and takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Stay tuned for more in today's episode. Sam is also a professional life coach for creatives, entrepreneurs, and performers. So I am sure I personally will be taking a lot away from this interview. Sam, welcome and thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk about this. It's actually one of my favorite things, which is a little backwards. It didn't used to be my favorite thing to experience. And now it's my favorite thing to talk about because I get to say that I'm a recovering recovered imposter syndromatic, you know? <laughs> let's let's unwrap that though a little bit more. So what is imposter syndrome? Because it sounds so heavy, but yet it doesn't have to be at all. You know, the way you say it is so full of life that it's like, oh, this actually kind of sounds fun. What is this? <laughs> yes. You know, and if so imposter syndrome for me, I like to define it as when your ego and your doubts are just a little bit louder than your inner alignment. And that's all it is, is it's just an imbalance of the voices and the feedback and the programming that we have at the moment. Nice and succinct. So give me an example. I'm an actor, you know, I'm on camera. I think like, here we go. I'm doing this audition and give me an example of where imposter syndrome sets in. hundred percent. And this, I love using the analogy with performers and with creatives because we can all picture ourselves as little kids or just any little kid putting on a show or doing anything really and how there is no imposter syndrome right they are committed full force imposter syndrome is the result of things that we pick up and because of programming after that so Imposter syndrome can look like even after you have booked something. So even past the audition phase, when you have booked something and you're still doubting your place there, you're still overanalyzing everything that you're doing. And it's definitely a lack of being present. It's a focus elsewhere on and out, out of your body and mind and into assumptions of feedback. And, and again, all of this assumed processing that's happening from external sources, whether it just happened or we're assuming it'll happen or it has happened before it imposter syndrome is like a really excited self-sabotage <laughs> moment that helps to just keep us safe it's like we intentionally stub our toe against the desk and say like mm, i knew that was gonna happen yes. you know it's um it is definitely something we can all relate to. And in the words that come up in my mind are, you're not good enough. And is that another way to phrase it? 100%. It can be, you're not good enough. It can be, that wasn't good enough. You know, it doesn't have to be a whole encompassing uh, of a persona. It can just be related to a single incident. It can be, you don't fit in here. You don't belong here. Um, a lot of right? The imposter of presenting as something that you're not. So it is definitely coming from that internal intrinsic 
am I an actor creator? You know, is, am I enough? Is it worth, am I worth whatever it is that I'm supposed to be getting from, from these exchanges? You mentioned about being a child, you know, and also we talk about trauma and imposter and that little voice, you know, where I'm going with this, Uh, clearly something I personally work through as well. What's the relation between childhood and imposter syndrome or not being good enough? Yeah. And I, again, I just, I love this because it smashes through the way that I like to coach all of even more assumptions about imposter syndrome. So uh, you don't have to have a Hollywood traumatic childhood to have trauma or to have impacts of trauma. That isn't how a tiny brain works. So because we're sponges and we don't actually have our fully developed conscious mind until we're seven, all of that, that's why kids believe in Santa Claus so easily. That's why they're so gullible is because they just accept everything as reality and as truth. And then they assign meaning and they kind of go through life and process that out. So as imposter syndrome, as it is something that is taught, it is also something that is experienced, even if it is accidentally taught. So this could look like, um, and I, I just know from my own experience of going through this, I do a lot of energy work with hypnosis and our timelines and generational things. And so for me, whether or not this actually happened, this is what was presented to me and once cleared really helped. But when I was three, I had my first dance recital and I was in a big old tutu. And I just remember being so proud of myself after thinking it was the best thing ever. And I run up, you know, do the little Lilo waddle from Lilo and Stitch. And I run up to my mom (laughs) and she says, oh my gosh, I really loved that part where you turned. Like, will you do that for me? Right. Spin around. And in that moment, in my three-year-old brain, that meant that the whole thing wasn't good. That one moment was good. And in that moment, I decided, and not in a judgment zone at that moment, it was just feedback that I assigned meaning to, that I don't know what's good. I need somebody else to tell me what's good. And so it can be things like that, right? Where then from that moment, my life after that was all based around this new belief that I had gathered from this information that I had taken on, not from a presumably traumatic experience, not from somebody being mean or telling me that I couldn't. It was just the way that I took it in in that moment. And so imposter syndrome can happen like that, where it's just information that was taken in and assigned that meaning, or it can be as straightforward as someone telling you that you're not enough or you can't, you know, you're only going to be a starving artist or, you know, especially as we're getting older and past seven and we're in high school and it's like, oh, do you have a backup plan? Do you have a plan B? And the the societal expectations and norms around what it means to be an artist, which interestingly are only set by those that aren't artists. (laughs) It's so true. I want to bring that whole um, concept of starving artists for, you know, I want to save some time to talk on that because that in itself is, uh, it's huge. There's something you mentioned as well within the previous context when um, a child is told, you know, like you said, your example, your mom presented, this was awesome. I love this part. But the rest, your brain interpreted as this was not good enough, like where the brain focused on. I hear the voice in my mom's head saying, but I've always told you you've been so great at things. Where did that come from? 
where does that come from? Because your mom didn't say that to you, but you interpreted it. And I can take fallacy in that too. I have done that too many times to count on, you know, a hundred hands. So where does that come from? Absolutely. It can come from hearing that it should happen. Uh, this, again, this happened to me where I heard other people having issues with things that I didn't have issues with. And suddenly, because I didn't have issues with them, I started to wonder if I was the wrong one, the fact that I wasn't having problems. So especially going to school, if somebody else really is told that they're not good enough, or they, they're prepping you for things, again, this happens a lot in adulthood, or if you're changing careers, you know, and people are prepping you for that starving artistry, or, you know, they're prepping you for your road to be really hard and do all this stuff, they're pre presupposing, and already putting in these beliefs before you even start that that's what's going to happen. So the reason why at three, I decided to take it in that way. Um, I, I don't really, I don't know why in that moment it was, but it could have been because I, somebody else had told me that that was their experience. And so I was waiting for that to happen to me, you know, um, when we're living our lives. And so these voices and these constraints will support different beliefs that we already have. So I might've already had a people pleasing moment and I've always been super, super close to my mom. So I think that was it too, is that I had this deep trust and belief in my mom. And so what she said was always right. And so it wasn't necessarily at that moment, a I'm wrong and you are right from a bad place. It hadn't gotten there yet. It was just from a feedback. Oh, if my mom says this, then, then that's true. And that's okay. Like no problem. I'll, now I know how to score myself, you know, and it didn't turn into a toxic thing until all of the other meaning that gets assigned and the, the way that we bend ourselves under that belief. Let me take a little break here. You've noticed I've been doing a lot more podcasting lately. And it's not that I've had more time. It's that Zencaster has made it a lot easier to record high quality video, high quality audio. They even have post-production services right within their platform and software. It comes out a lot easier, faster, cleaner. So I can do what it is that I'm really good at. And that's connecting with you, the listener and the audience who wants to chime in what it is to never settle. There's a lot that I relate with there and, I, and something that I personally take responsibility on, but I think where I would love to take it before jumping into the whole starving artist thing is the idea of how does somebody work? Because if, if it's, you know, if it can be ingrained in us or learned behavior, we can also unlearn the behavior. So what are some tips without giving away all of your coaching secrets <laughs> that somebody can start with if they're finding themselves relating to everything that you and I are talking to and about right now. Absolutely. And I, I love that too. I love, I love giving the right nows, right? The actionable items. And then, cause there's stuff that can take longer than others. And then there are really things, here's the permission. It can also happen really quickly, just as quickly as I decided that that is what that meant to me. I can as quickly undecide it. And where that gets to be tricky is called secondary gain and it's where that belief has supported these other beliefs right and it's kind of like a big pile of rocks and I'm trying to pull out this underneath one but the top ones are either too heavy and won't let me pull it out or when I do knowing that they'll crumble I can't pull the whole thing out and so that's where all of this work in the long term happens isn't because it's this staircase of never reaching the top it's understanding where the secondary gains are so that knowing when you unravel this one belief that there's still safety in that because it has been supported by all of these other things. So to answer your question, <laughs> um, 
the very, very first thing is to become aware and to become aware from an observation from a curious state as if you were watching it play out, you know, on a TV or in a book, maybe uh, somewhere where you can remove the judgment and just observe and start to really listen to the voices that are coming up and not from a place of right fear and overwhelm and all of the things that those voices, at least for me, really had me experience, but listening to the words they're using. So just like you were saying, so important, you're not enough was coming up for you. You're not right is different than right. Like, are you doing something to win or are you doing it to not lose? Like there are these little nuances that once you figure out what your belief that you have cultivated, what your little rock is, that you are not enough, that might not be the words that somebody else is using, and which is why getting a personal coach for this stuff is so amazing because we can then work on your words. And so the very first thing would be to get aware and just observe what's happening and what words are being used. Are there any patterns coming up? Because that's where you can really start to identify that secondary gain, right? So you are not enough in performance, but then does that also come up with money? Does that also come up in relationships? Does that also come up when you're writing, right? In what area are things happening? Because then you can start to say, oh, see, if I just tried to remove you are enough from performance, I won't be able to because it's also leaked into money and into relationships and into all these other places. And so you start to see this amazing web. And once it's uncovered, you're like, huh, okay. Great. So here, 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 right? And you start rearranging things and you don't have to make anything crumble. You can build a beautiful thing with all those rocks. So step one, just become aware. And step two is to really, as you're becoming aware with the judgment, make sure or become aware of what your initial instinct is. Is it to push it down? Is it to tell it it's wrong? Is it to yell at it? Is it to demean it? Is it to just shout positivity at it? Where, where is that coming from, right? Because obviously that isn't working <laughs> for you. So once we identify what that is, we can shift and move. Um, and there are lots of ways to become aware with journaling, with if people want to talk things out. If um, For me, journaling didn't work at the beginning because I was judgmental of my journaling and I didn't think I journaled well enough. <laughs> so I the compound I like, talk about the the different webs <laughs> exactly so for me journaling was was a hard now I, I I I love it and it's so powerful for me after I cleared away that little web around being able to even do it so so journaling is an option writing it down even as it happens taking mental notes while it happens pretending to take a little screenshot doing voice memos like whatever works for you to just start to collect data and look at it like data and feedback and not as right or wrong or good or bad. It just, just is. It also starts to begin to remove some of that meaning and where there's all this heaviness of I am not enough. Instead, looking at it like you're just kind of dictating what's going on in your head to like send it to another world to get translated into another language, right? Like it doesn't have to mean anything. You're just writing it down. And so it starts to chip away at the meaning that we have given it. Um, there are some very powerful mindset and energy techniques that really help make that much faster, but you can't even do them until you know what you're <laughs> unraveling. What you're going so, for. Yes. It's like exactly. shooting an arrow, but not having a target. Yes. 
Yeah. Fascinating. So I, I want to leave some time. We mentioned because we're artists, yeah, and everybody has always the whole. Re, I came to this awareness. You want to talk about unraveling blocks and bricks and cobwebs. The whole reason that I went art direction, creative director, which now benefits me every day, is because I didn't think in my mind, me, that you can make a living as an artist. <gasps> Something novel that all of us are too aware of and that we're told over and over because of the phrase starving artist. It's like, I really want to take a, a, a an arrow, you know, or an eraser and just eradicate that because you look at the artists, what they're making today with NFTs, you know, look at some of the successful um, producers and actors and storytellers, you know, we, we are storytellers and you're helping people to recreate their stories in a better way as is this podcast. So where, what can, I guess it's a general phrase, but you know, where does the word start or word starving artist come from and how can we abolish it really? Put a prohibition Absolutely. on starving artists, you know? Yes. And I think it's really shedding a light on starving artists. See, and, and that's where, again, I'm such a different coach. It's, I really focus on allowing and shining a light and not running away from starving artists, but really putting it in the investigator's chair, right? And saying, okay, right, where did this come from? Who is saying it? Because as we start to unravel, right, I am not enough, where did that come from? As we start to dive into these beliefs that we have set for ourselves, we'll realize that starving artist is not said by artists. It is not as in working artists. Like there aren't, this idea doesn't come from the artistic community of successful people. It comes from people that don't understand, right? And we always fear what we don't understand. And so you can see this pattern, not just with creativity, but with all kinds of industries where there will be people that say, you know, that either things aren't real or they don't work, right? Holistic. Oh, mm -hmm. chiropractors aren't real doctors. Holistic stuff doesn't work. Oh, those guys are just woo-woo hippies, uh, right? There's even with battles of religion, like the, the loud people are the ones that don't understand. And the thing is, is starving artist, I bet you, just from the psychological things that I have experienced, I bet you it came from someone that wanted to be an artist and couldn't, and so is using it to defend why they cannot be, which is, again, why people say it's super hard to lose weight, it's super hard to do this and hard to do that, because if it was easy, they would no longer have an excuse. And so if it was easy, just as easy to be a creative, a successful creative as it is to be a successful accountant, then those that have given up on their dreams, then those that have played into that would no longer have a leg to stand on. And those are the ones that keep shouting it because it has to be true for them. Otherwise it unravels all of their rocks. So it's being able to, to shine a light and go, okay, I hear you starving artist. I hear that from my parents. And I know that it's coming from a place of they're a banker, an engineer, an accountant, and a Marine are the, you know, my parents and step-parents for me. And they're just spinning back what they've heard, right? They have not ever encountered a successful person doing what I want to do both in front and behind the camera or, with coaching, intuitive, you know, the fact that I work with energy, I, I, they don't know anything about this and it's scary for them. And so for them playing into that starving artist is the only actual quote unquote reason that they have that I need to get the kind of job they do because they don't actually know anything about the industry or anything about that side of life to be able to back up why it scares them, except they know it isn't something they know anything about and they won't be able to help me with it. And you end up in this loopy pattern 
and us creatives will get stuck in that loopy pattern that somebody else put us in that is revolving around their web. Especially it's so deep, especially because it's, it's fear-based of course, but it's also, you know, um, we're empathic typically, traditionally, most artists, we're a little empathic. So we tend to absorb a lot of these things and we feel the pain. <laughs> um, it's really, really so true. And the projections oftentimes that come from others because of their own fears. You know, we see it in arts. Um, I, I am very much in the cryptocurrency and blockchain um, world. And it's just, it's a lot of exactly as you're saying, the ones who are screaming are the ones who are fearful because the knowledge that they knew all of their life as, as bankers and investors, now they have no idea. And they're, you know, scared of what can come because it will turn their world upside down. And of course, the same thing with, with arts and humanities, you know, that we've been told that because it takes guts and courage to stand up, to be in front of a camera, to tell a story that can be compelling and change, you know, leave a legacy and change the world or can be horrible and forgotten about or, you know, revamped 20 years later. But it takes courage to put your artistic expression out there in every form. And I would say, you know, majority don't have the, the, the balls or the guts to go do it. So thank you, Sam. Wow, this was really touching on a personal level so insightful where can listeners find you and all of your fantastic resources if they want to sign up for coaching where can we find you yeah so i'm most uh active on instagram it's samantha bell is my handle and i have a link for a free cons you know consultation call because i don't work with anyone that i don't really feel like we could do work together <laughs> so um if you're interested in checking out if working together would be something that would work for you, then on my Instagram, the link in my bio is for a clarity call. And whether or not we end up working together, I make sure to leave you with something uh, to further you along. You know, even if it isn't me and that's fine, I'll either refer you out or like we were talking about getting aware, you know, working through what works for you, getting a little more into those voices or habits or patterns or wherever you are in your web. And getting a personalized kind of next step. Incredible. We'll drop your Instagram and then also your website links below. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you everyone for listening in to another episode of Never Settle. Stay tuned, subscribe to this podcast for many more to come along similar lines of inspiration to motivate, empower you, and to thrive. That wraps up today's episode of Never Settle. I want to thank you for tuning in. And again, a big thank you to Zencaster. If you'd like to try Zencaster and podcasting, you can use my code, which is linked below, for a three-month discount on your service. See you again on another upcoming episode of Never Settle.